Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Mitz. Today, we are previewing the matchup for the Kansas Jayhawks against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, to help me do that, I have joining me again on the podcast, I, I don't know if we've had him for basketball, or if so, it was kind of an overview of all of basketball, but my cohort over on the 1012 Podcast, uh, Philip Slavin. Philip, how are you doing tonight? Doing all right. Uh, national Championship's going on, and I'm not watching because I don't care that much. Yeah, I was watching just because my wife was wanting to watch it, and yeah, there really wasn't anything better on. I'm mildly interested in it, but to be honest, I don't really care who wins, so I would much rather be podcasting at this point. So that's what I, we're doing I, right I, now. Uh, I, I ignored a lot of national podcasts I found the last like week or so because they're so national championship heavy, and I I have national cha- I had national championship fatigue by like Friday. And it didn't play till tonight. And I just don't. Yeah. I made my Action Network pick. Uh, I think I was supposed to do for Tally Side, but oh well. And I, I'm just like, the whoever wins is going to have, like, whoever wins the national championship is going to have about as effect, much effect on Oklahoma State as whoever wins the presidency has on little old me in central Arkansas. Like, really, very, very truthfully, true. not much of any whatsoever. I'm just a sports junkie, so I'll watch it occasionally. And, like, the only ones that I will go out of my way to listen to are the ones that I normally listen to, not sure. because of the topics they're covering, but because I like to hear them talk to each other. So like stuff like the high motor podcast, like, mm. you know, they're, they're talking about all the betting and stuff. And I find that angle fascinating. And so I'll listen to that stuff anyway. But yeah, if they're trying to break down the X's and O's of the, of the national championship game, I don't care enough about college football at this point to really be too interested in that. It's more about all the other fun, random, weird stuff. So, but we are here to talk about college basketball, not mm-hmm. college football at this point. So let's go ahead and turn our attention to the Oklahoma State Cowboys because it has been a roller coaster of an offseason for them. 
um, you know, with the punishments from the NCAA coming down that are now being appealed. So it's very possible they might actually be eligible for the NCAA tournament, um, you know, with uh, with Cade Cunningham coming um, and kind of how he's performed. It's been an up and down roller coaster season for them, it seems already to this point. Um, so overall, what have what have your thoughts been on the Oklahoma State season so far to date? Um, so let me say this, a few, few things, cause there's a few different ways to go with this. First of all, um, it is an absolute joy to get to watch Cade Cunningham. Um, if as Kansas fans and as a Kansas podcast and as someone who covers Kansas, you're quite familiar with getting to see some of the best players in the country on your team on a year to year basis, right? Um, of course. And I don't mean this as a, as a shot at, at players who have come through Oklahoma state over the past decade. We've had some studs. Marcus Smart was a gem. Thoroughly enjoyed him. Uh, um, and other guys that have come and gone. But getting to watch arguably the best freshman in the country. And and I know that there's, you can, I would not know that I can say he's the best player in the country, but I think you can debate best freshman, but I, I it's hard to say, like, you can't just definitively say he's not. But get, to get to right. watch him play. He's not perfect. He's a freshman. He makes mistakes. Um, he, he has a tendency to turn the ball over sometimes. Um, he waits a little bit too long in games to tie and, and take over. Um, but when he does, when he just goes, all right, because he, he is, he's, a, he's not, not passive, but a, a passer. He's somebody who likes to get everyone involved. He wants to distribute the ball. He wants to get everyone else like playing. He is, a, he is the, the ultimate teammate. He's exactly what you want. But when he turns that killer instinct on, when it's like, okay, it's my turn. And I think sometimes it comes a little bit too late in halves. He needs to start a little bit earlier. But when he does it, ooh, it's a thing to watch. If you haven't had a chance to watch, you obviously will get to this this uh, this Tuesday, this Tuesday night. Man, when he takes over, it is it's fun. It is just a fun thing to watch. It is it is a fun thing to watch. I don't know about other way to say it. I'm just it's a it's a joy to get to watch as an Oklahoma State fan having someone like that wearing orange and black on on a on a regular basis. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. I will note for those of you guys that do not have ESPN Plus, uh, this game is on ESPN Plus, as is four of like the next five games for the Jayhawks. So if you don't have it, now is the perfect time to go get it so you can watch this game. Um, this is one of the games I have been circling because I was very interested to see how Cade Cunningham, you know, was able to play in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also the fact that like I thought this Oklahoma State team was going to be one. They could potentially, you know, challenge to be in that top tier of the Big 12 this year. Was going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, if they've struggled with some of the the games that they've had here, you know, obviously winning the the obvious one in in Kansas State, um, you know. But other than that, like they have a really good win against Texas Tech, but they've dropped really close games against TCU, um, you know, and then games against Texas and West Virginia. Like those those last two are ones that you think they probably would not have been favored in anyway. So it's no big surprise. But that well, was on, an absolute heartbreaker, me, I think, for them against TCU. Yeah, let me um, let me let me piggyback off of this because so so the three losses in conference they went a perfect six and zero in non-con. Obviously, we still have the SEC Big Twelve challenge at the end of this month. Oklahoma State's playing Arkansas. I'm trying very hard to get tickets so I can go see that game. Um, your three losses in conference play have come by a combined nine points. Three three point loss. Or sorry. That's not even true. Seven points. Sorry, because you lost by one to TCU, you lost right. by three to Texas, and you lost by by three to West Virginia. Here's the problem with those games, and, and this speaks to the other big point about this team this year. Oklahoma State had second-half leads in all of those games, 
and they had a, they had a 19 point lead on West Virginia. They had a nine point lead in the final minutes against TCU, and and now the lead against Texas was early, and Texas is by far the best of those teams that they played. They're better than TCU, and, and West Virginia is of course now without Oscar Sheboy, but. Right. Oklahoma State has had leads in those games and had opportunities and has lost those three games. Okay. Um, I mean, they've had leads in the second half of their wins too, obviously, but they've had leads in the second half of every single one of these games and, and good leads. Like, not like, oh, they led by a point for half a second and then they were back down and they were never leading again. Like, they had decent leads in all these games and they have blown them. Um, and, and that speaks to, the, the the comment that you made about thought that Oklahoma State could challenge for the upper half of the Big 12, and I think they can because the, the talent is there outside of Cade Cunningham. He's not the only guy on this team. But on this team, 10 scholarship players on this roster are freshmen and sophomores. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's your roster. Um, outside of that, you've got Isaac Likely, who's a junior, uh, who is, we'll talk about him in a minute. And you've got two seniors that are both transfers, fair and flavors from I don't remember, and uh, Bryce Williams from Ole Miss. But the rest of this roster is is all freshmen and sophomores. That's it. So it's a very, very young roster. And it, and it speaks to why they're having trouble closing out games. They closed out the game against Texas Tech, thought that would might be a, a step in the right direction. Then they blow a 19-point lead against West Virginia in the second half, which was just soul-crushing. Um and so I think for Oklahoma State moving forward, the question of whether or not they get to go to the NCAA tournament, and I'll be happy to talk about that in a minute, um, is whether or not they can turn this around. <laughs> Oklahoma State teams in the past under Boynton were teams that would get down and would fight back. It's so weird this year to have a team that can get up and get leads but seems to blow them and not be able to hang on to them in the closing minutes. But that just speaks to the youth. That speaks to the youth on this team more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, you know, I made the quip that that uh, Oklahoma State pulled a West Virginia and let West Virginia come back from 19 down in that second half there. So, um, you know, but it does make me kind of wonder, you know, what is going on with this team and kind of what do you expect? Because like you were saying, you know, Mike Boynton, typically his teams have been able to fight back and been able to to really kind of finish those particular games. Um, I've seen some people who obviously aren't as in tune with this with this team as you are. In, you know that that seemed to be suggesting that this might be you know either the last season for Mike Boynton or next season could potentially be the last one if he doesn't get things turned around you know and they have a really strong finish to this year I don't know that that's necessarily fair but it also is kind of fair I think to to point out the fact that this team does seem to be underperforming that yes the Big Twelve is tough but they haven't really played most of the tough teams yet. Um, to this point. So like that loss against TCU, I think was absolute killer. That's a game they absolutely should have won. Um, and kind of to your point, like they should be four and one and thick in the race, you know, it like right smack dab in the middle of the race right now for the big 12. Um, you know, if they had finished both of those, those two games, I'm thinking TCU and West Virginia that they should have. So, you know, is there any kind of discontent with what Mike Boynton's done so far this year? Or do you think that with all the weirdness surrounding the year that no matter how he finishes, unless they like lose out from here on out, um, that he's pretty safe and that, and that he doesn't have anything to worry about? Well, to, to the Boynton talk, personally, I've seen some fans who have reached the point of calling him Travis Ford 2.0, of a guy that can recruit, um, but can't get the wins on the court. And it's I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair argument to make because the evidence is what it is. They should have made the NCAA tournament his first year 
uh, and they got held out because of a non-conference schedule that wasn't very good and that wasn't entirely their fault. And they made a nice little run in, in IT. Last couple of years, they've been bad. Uh, and part of that has been he has had roster management issues of numerous players having to get kicked off teams for being numbskulls. Some of that lays at his feet as the head coach, and some of it is just, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. Um, I have raised the question, and I haven't done it on my show yet, but I want to, of, uh, I have, it, does he overly trusting and overly nice? Because he's had too many issues. Obviously, you have the, the FBI investigation. The guy he had hired as his lead assistant gets arrested by the FBI and, and, and sentenced. Um, you had numerous players, like I mentioned, who've had to be kicked off the, the team for being doing stupid stuff. Shooting a car with a BB guns, going into bars and stealing wallets, like this kind of nonsense. And I don't think it's him, and I don't think it's a reflection on. Usually, you see that, and you're like, okay, well, it's a coach running a bad program, but nothing really points to that. It just points to somehow he keeps landing these dum dums. So you get to this point, you have a very very young roster this year, and you have Cade Cunningham, the number one recruit in the country, and I think for everybody. I think reality this year, especially with what happened with the FBI, you just kind of look and go, can you just, can you end the year on a positive note? Can we make it to the NCAA tournament and win a game? Because if he will do, if he can do that, he's going to buy himself a lot of leeway. Not to mention, let's, let's be frank here. If you're Oklahoma State, you've just had a pandemic. Everyone's lost a lot of money. Mike Boynton's one of the, I guess, cheap, not cheapest, but one of the lowest paid head men's basketball coaches in the Big 12. You don't have a ton of money. You are waiting for the appeal to go through. You're about to face a lot of scholarship issue, roster issues. You're going to be hard-pressed to let him go and then go hire somebody else that you're guaranteed is going to be significantly better. And I think that's the thing with Boynton right now. People like Boynton. I, we have had him on our Cowboys Ride for Free show. Um, Boynton is, is fantastic. If you ever listen to him talk, people rave about him. He's a guy that cares about his kids. Like I, You can't not like him. There's no way to not like him. You may not be happy with his results on the court. That's fine, but there's no way not to like him. That goes a long way, along with everything else going on. No, it would, if he, if, and I don't think they're just going to lose out the rest of the way unless Cade Cunningham and Isaac likely both like break their ankles. My desk is wood. But like, I think he's fine. I think he's fine. And I I think it's just, you know, get to the tournament, get a win and, and kind of help start moving things in the right direction. Again, They've had massive roster attrition left, right, and sideways. But this speaks to him and Cade Cunningham to some extent that this offseason, you find out about the postseason ban, only one guy, your and A, your center, left. Everyone who was committed for this class came here. Everyone who else was on this roster, all these freshmen turning sophomores, I think likely, they all stayed. Guys still wanted to come play. You still got transfers in Bryce Williams and Farron Flavors to come to Oklahoma State despite the postseason ban. That speaks a lot to Mike Boynton. That speaks a lot to Cade Cunningham. I think that says a lot for your program. So I think he's fine. In for I don't think he's getting fired this year. I think it would take back-to-back just colossal collapses for him to get fired at this point. Now, at some point, you're going to have to present the receipts and show some results. But for now, I think he's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I happen to agree with that. I mean, I think that there's definitely an argument to be made if they, you know, were to fall off a cliff this year. But the fact that, you know, I mean, the way that he handled the entire situation with with Cade Cunningham after, you know, the postseason ban came out, um, I think that endeared him to a lot of people, not just within the Oklahoma State program. He is a very well-liked coach. No matter what you think about 
whether he's going to be able to ultimately get this, you know, turned around and really start pushing for, you know, top of the Big 12 standings, anything like that. You know, he's he's definitely well liked. And in a and in a situation as uncertain as this, that is going to go a long way. You know, Tom Herman got fired as the football coach at, at Texas. And honestly, from what I understand, a lot of that had to do with the fact that there's a lot of people that really didn't like him. He brushed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, when, 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 you know, your bosses and the people you work with all the time really like you, that really helps with your job security. And, you know, from every indication I have, Mike Boynton is like absolutely loved by everybody who he comes into contact with, whether that's opposing coaches, opposing players, his own players, you know, everybody on his own staff. Like, so he has that going for him and it's going to take an absolute total collapse or some weird thing happening. That's completely his fault for him to get shown the door either this season or next. I don't think, I mean, you know, I think it's just a weird enough season. I just, I'd seen that floating around from, from both some Oklahoma state people um, like fans and some, some other people who are typically kind of in the know of these things or, or kind of have their pulse on what normal sentiments are. And it caught me by surprise. And I just wanted to make sure I wasn't off base thinking that that was like a huge shocker. If that, if something like that were to happen. So I would, I would also note one last thing on him and look, I love the guys that have played for Mike Boynton. We've had some guys. It's those those lovable guys that you as a fan base just hold in your heart forever, um, honestly. But this is his most talented roster, period, by yes. far. Okay, He hasn't had the most talented rosters during his time in Stillwater for his, his few years. And no, they haven't been great. But again, they they've keep dealing with roster attrition. Um this is the most talented. And take cutting Cade Cunningham off this roster. I think it's still the most talented roster he has had since he got to Stillwater. So I think it's taken him time to get the roster in place, to get the talent here. I do think it's frustrating because things are finally going, it felt like, in the right direction. And then the NCAA comes down and hands down their punishment, uh, including a postseason ban. And I don't want to get into that because I'm just going to be angry oh gosh, and rant. No. I, I am I am on record as saying that I think their punishment is probably the stupidest one to come out of all of you know this entire situation. So they were being made an example I, of. Oklahoma State was being used to try and threaten the other schools into complying, uh, when the reality is you should never comply with the NCAA. Yeah, pretty much. Like I think that's a very very fair assessment. I, I want to teach my daughters good good things, but lie to the NCAA and make sure you've got your tracks covered. But just lie. If you can get away with lying, then lie. Lie to them. Don't tell them the truth. They'll punish you worse. Yep, exactly. Man, it sucks that we have to say that. But you know what? I mean, Reality when you're dealing with a, a an, an organization that doesn't even necessarily care about the truth, but cares about making themselves look good, um, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of the thing you have to do. So, all right. So one final question before we actually turn to this specific game. Um you know, Mike Mike Boynton, what has he done this year to bring a guy like Kate Cunningham, work him into his system? And, like, what have you seen that's different about the way this team plays from prior years? Well, it, it I mean, it runs through Kate. And Boynton's been very upfront about this. Like, he's the most talented. You know, a lot of times you get that coach speak when you have a really talented guy on the court. You get that coach. No, he's just part of the team. Look, Cade Cunningham is part of the team, and Cade Cunningham wants to be part of the team. And, and like I said, he likes to distribute the ball. But Boynton's been very, very front. Like, Cade's here for one year. He's the most talented. He doesn't call him the most important because he's not the most important guy on the court. He is the most talented by far. And this team succeeds as him. Boynton wants him to be more aggressive. And I think that he is, Boynton is coaching for Cade and believes that through Cade, this team will have its most success. And he is correct. I mean, honestly, um, when when Cade's going and Cade's rolling, this team's going to win. 
that's going to win games. And it's going to fall on Cade Cunningham this year. Because again, you have a lot of youth. And Cade is young, but Cade is so talented, his talent should make up for his youth. So you compare that with, again, 10 guys on this roster that are true freshmen or true sophomores. I mean, what do you do, you know? So, um, and it's also a small team. This is not a, this is not a large team, okay? That you get some forwards in there. Uh, Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Um, eh. It's just, it's not a big team. So it's very guard driven. It's very guard heavy, which is tough because the team can't shoot. Um, but I just, I, that's what he's doing. I will note one thing I've written to, to have the conversation about him. And I understand this goes to, I don't think the team has been super talented. I have no doubt that Boynton is a good coach and a good developer of players. Uh, we've seen, especially in those first few years, we would love his out of, out of timeout plays. His inbound plays were fantastic. He had some great stuff drawn up. He would do had then, and he had an experienced team that could execute stuff. He's got a lot of older guys on those rosters. They played really well. Um, I want to shout out Fifth Factor Plots on Twitter. It's at fifth five uh, th underscore factor f a c t o r. Um, they've been putting out some really interesting statistics in college basketball stuff. And they put one out that was a a chart that showed who takes good shots and who has good shooters. And it puts all these different teams on this scatter plot chart. And it blocks into four quads. There's bad shooters who take good shots, good shooters who take good shots, da 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 da. Uh, for fun, for funsies, Kentucky falls way down into the um, takes bad shots and can't shoot. Uh, Michigan is like the greatest shooters who take good shots. Seton Hall is like the best. Yeah, anyway, Oklahoma State falls into the good shots. They take good shots. They just can't hit them. And I think that speaks to Mike Boynton and his abilities as a coach. And I and I had to break him down. And it's look, it's a guard driven team that can't shoot so they do really really well around the basket they like to go into the paint um and i think they're well coached to take good shots i think this is a well coached team i just think it's young and i think that's the big issue for this team is it's it's just going to there's frustrations and there's growing pains but to boynton's credit this is a young team that's well coached continuing to get better and and look one stud can't do everything. How many times have we seen the the best player in college basketball go off to Georgia or Washington or Missouri or whatever for one year, and that team doesn't make the NCAA tournament or LSU? You know, so it's right. I, they might not. Oh, I don't think they will. Um, <laughs> but I do think it's a well. I think it's a well coached team with some talent. It, they're just young, and they're gonna have to learn. The problem right now, because they've blown these games and they're sitting at two and three in conference play is they're gonna they need to learn quickly because they're they are gonna start they're gonna start running out of rope and soon right yeah i would say the other thing about this team too you know is that they're very small kind of kind of like what you were saying before um i think that's been part of what the issue that they like they they play much better inside but they also like give up size to a lot of the big teams in the big 12 um, you know, TCU has some really good guys on the inside. So does Texas. So does West Virginia. Texas Tech has some good ones as well. So it's like their biggest strength is, you know, kind of puts them at a little bit of a disadvantage because they are not a very big team. Um, and so, you know, it, it's tough where you can find good shots but can't make them. And then you can't counterbalance that by being able to bully anyone inside because everyone else is either just as big or bigger than you. Um, so it's it's 
it's a tough road for them to go with the way that they're able to play right now based off of their strengths. But you're right that as long as they, you know, are like, as long as they continue to get better, you know, you have to think that they're going to be able to shoot better than they have been as they go throughout the rest of the season. The question is going to be how quickly is it going to be? And is it going to be enough to get them the wins that they need to make it to the NCAA tournament? So, all right, I want to turn to the actual Kansas game here coming up um, in just a minute. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horned Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. And we're back. All right. So turning to this actual game, because I think that there's a lot of really interesting matchups in this particular game. I want your thoughts, though, Philip. Which, which matchup intrigues you the most coming into this game? Okay, so let me just, let, let's do this for a second, because if you ask me about matchups, that implies that I can break down Kansas' roster for you in, a, in an intelligent uh, and coherent way. Um, that so, so let me put it this way, whether it's a positional matchup, or I'm even thinking like, you know, Cade Cunningham, you know, star freshman against Jalen Wilson, star freshman for, for the Jayhawks. Like, you know, that, that I think is an interesting one. Um, you know, also kind of inside whoever is going to be the guy on the inside playing against David McCormick, um, you know, and I'm not sure who Marcus Garrett as Kansas' best defender is going to be guarding out on the perimeter. Um, those are three that immediately come to oh, mind. So I guess as I'm defender. Okay. So let's, let's do this. Um, I like to assume we're going to get, if, if he's the best defender, he's going to be on whoever's best shooter. And in theory, Bryce Williams is the best shooter. Um, no one's a great three point shooter on this team to, to be blunt. Like no one is. Bryce Williams is the guy who I think can get the most hot shooting the three. Um, but as far as a matchup, Marcus Garrett and Isaac Likely is the matchup as far as the two defensive players on the court that I kind of want to see go at each other. I, as I mentioned a minute ago, um, Cade Cunningham is the best player on this team, but he's not the most important player on this team. The most important player on this team is, is point guard Isaac Likely. Um, they have asked more of him as the season has gone on, especially offensively, and he has delivered. Uh, he's increased his scoring average by almost like, I think it, at early on he was at like 9.8. He's at 12.3 now. Like they have asked more from him offensively, and he's giving it. Likely is is the guy that's most important. And if he is hitting his shots, and he is, outside of Caleb Boone, the best field goal percentage on the team at 50, at almost 60%, uh, Kayla Boone is at 62 almost. Um, Isaac Likely is incredibly important. And him versus Marcus Garrett, I think I'm really intrigued in watching that matchup. My guess is Marcus Garrett gets put on Cade a lot because if he's the best defensive guard they have, you're going to put that on on Cade and see if you can slow him down. But I think Garrett might end up on Likely a lot, and I would be really intrigued to see that. Yeah, it's weird because, I mean, Kansas has a lot of really good perimeter defenders, um, you know, and... Like Garrett, I think is going to is one is clearly one of the best that they have, but he's not the only guy they have. Ochai Abaji has been playing really, really good defense on, on the perimeter as well. Um, you know, and 
likely from what I'm understanding here from, from Ken Palm, likely normally slides in at that wing position, you know, or, or the small forward position. So it's not like he's playing point guard very much um, on the offensive end for them. So I, I do agree. I don't think they're going to put Garrett face up on their, on, you know, the point guard who seems to mostly be Avery Anderson. Um, they're going to use him, I think more to kind of deny passes to the guys that can, can really make that offensive uh, contributions there and kind of make that impact on the offensive end. So I do think that likely is kind of the guy that I was kind of hinting at that I thought was going to be like the main focus for them. Um, you know, Cunningham is going to be playing more down low from, from what I understand, from what, from what little I've seen. And so that means it's going to be more on guys like, you know, McCormick or Jalen Wilson uh, to really be guarding what Cunningham is, is trying to do. And trying to take that away, even though Garrett could potentially guard, you know, all five positions. You hear that a lot about him. Um, he definitely likes to guard the wings more often than anything else. Um, so, like, I think that your assessment there is is correct. That that's who Garrett's probably going to be on. Pedochai Baji is just as good of a perimeter defender, you know. And they have some interesting guys on the inside. I am most curious as to what is going to happen on that that interior matchup because McCormick has struggled at times mightily. He's also been completely dominating games like against TCU. And like one of the biggest indicators of how Kansas goes in any particular game is does McCormick get started early? And if he doesn't get started early, do they go to Jalen Wilson fairly early? And, you know, that's changed a lot since uh, Bryce Thompson went out for the Jayhawks. Uh, they haven't really done much of the five guard lineup at all. So McCormick and, and Mitch Lightfoot have really been in there, um, you know, as a, as a true big man, really trying to kind of push that that position there and it hasn't worked out the greatest for Kansas in a lot of cases. Um, so I'll definitely be interested to see how Kate Cunningham plays down low against whoever Kansas ha- happens that they're out there. Um, you know, I, I do think it's going to be interesting and I kind of want your thoughts on this, that Kate Cunningham and Jalen Wilson are two of the best freshmen, not just in the big 12, but also in the nation to this point so far. Um, do you think they're going to be matched up on each other very much? And are you interested to kind of see how they play against each other? I mean, you would like to see them matched up a lot, but I think it's going to come down to, like, it's one of those things, like, we all want that, but are the coaches actually going to do that because that's what gives each team the best chance to win, right? Um, of course. So I, I would I would like to. On your note on uh, on McCormick, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift this here because I'm not sure I can give you a good answer to your question where I won't sound like I'm fumbling around for one, so I'm going to kind of ignore it. Uh <laughs> Um, typical, Philip. Typical. Yeah, hey, look, I don't want to sound. I, I mean, I'm just being blunt. I can try and fake it till I make it, but you know that might no, take 20 minutes, and I might right. never get there. Um, lost in the woods. On, on McCormick, inside is going to depend on who they start. Um, if Matthew Alexander Moncrief um, is healthy, that's likely the guy will start inside on him. If not, then it'll be Caleb Boone. Uh, Caleb Boone has struggled early, um, but I mean, I read a really good article about him, and oh my god. God, who wrote it and I feel bad but he writes for the Oklahoman so please forgive me it's not Scott Wright because that's my guy um it's the other guy who writes for him sorry um but Caleb has really put an emphasis on playing better he did play better against Kansas State it is Kansas State so you can only take away from that so much this year especially when you play a Kansas State team with six scholarship players and two walk-ons and that's all they have available but the point is he is trying to get better so my guess is that that's who they're going to be matched up on I will be really interested in how he plays defensively because here's the thing Oklahoma State loves to shoot inside the arc, but outside the paint. They love to get in there and those hit those shots. 
They take a lot of those. They don't take a lot of perimeter shots. You you see shots outside the arc if they, because everyone shoots threes, but they're not shooting a lot of stuff like on the edge of the arc. Like I, I, I will shoot you the graphic from Fifth Factor Plots, and I love it. It's beautiful. Like, if you look at where Oklahoma State shots come from, they come from outside the arc, and they come from or they come from in the paint, or they come from literally right there down the lane inside the arc, but outside the paint. And they, that's where they like to shoot. You don't see a lot of stuff inside the arc on either side of the basket. You just don't see a lot of jumpers there. That's not what they do. Um, so there's not a bunch of mid-range jumpers, is no, what you're saying. Which there's not. It's like one of the worst shots you can take in basketball. Right. By the way, the person that you're looking for is Jacob Unruh, I believe. Thank you. Thank you. Unruh's a good guy. I, I feel bad that I forgot his name, but, you know, I can't remember everyone's name, which is not what you're supposed to admit. <laughs> That's all right. We'll give him a shout-out in the tweet. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in which Philip can't remember Jacob Unruh's name because he says Jacob Unruh is, is a terrible person. There you go. That'll be the quote. Um but that's what Oklahoma State likes to do. So I'm really interested in in how Kansas defends that and how how much they go after how much they go after McCormick. I'm really interested um, because Oklahoma State doesn't have the size. Um, yeah, you got Moncrief and and Mam as we like to call it Mam, Mam Jams. If he can get a dunk, he's been a little banged up. Uh, and Caleb Boone, like they'll they'll it's just it's not a scene with a lot of size. It's not. I also need them to stay out of foul trouble because bless Bernard Kuma, bless him. I don't need to see a lot of him. He's just he's too raw. <laughs> but I mean, that's your that's your forwards. That is that is that is literally your entire like big man. You got some tall guards, but your list of forwards. There's no true center on this roster. It's it's three forwards. It's Ma'am, Matthew Alexander Moncrief, Caleb Boone, not Keelan. Caleb is the forward. Keelan is the guard. Uh, and Bernard Kuma. That's it. So if they get in foul trouble. Huh, um, the other thing I really want to keep an eye on is Cade has fouled out uh, against Texas Tech and against uh, West Virginia in those two games. I would really like him to stop doing that. Really yeah, like stop doing that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm looking at this and I don't I don't really see how much how either of these teams you know go to the line or give up you know a lot. Well, I take that back. Oklahoma State seems to be about average in terms of letting their opponent go to the line. And Kansas is about average about going to the line. So, like, I don't know that foul trouble is going to be a big issue in this game, especially since Kansas is one of the best at keeping their opponents from going to the line. So, um, like, I don't know this is going to be a foul fest. Like, this is, I think this is going to be a good, solid game. I am interested, though. I'm looking at, at the Ken Palm, you know, kind of matchup here. Mm-hmm. And these two teams are, like, complete opposites from each other. Because Oklahoma State, their offense, like the only spot of their offense that's really good is their two-point shooting. Yes. Um, like, and everywhere else is really bad, like on pretty much every other stat that you have there. Whereas Kansas... What's wild for a team that can't re- shoot... Hold on. What's wild for a team that can't shoot is Oklahoma State ha- is averaging the third most points in, in the Big 12 at 77.3. Like, it's a team that can't shoot, but they put points up. They score, but they can't. they can't shoot. Yeah, I mean, and it's not even like they're a phenomenal offensive rebounding team either. Like, they're only rebounding 32% of their misses, which, I mean, it's good for, like, the upper third of college basketball. Or I guess, yeah, it's it's actually probably the upper 25%, but, you know, Kansas is much better at getting their own offensive rebounds. Um, but it's it's really weird. Well, I think part of that is because Kansas misses so many on the inside, and they're just in good position to go ahead and get another chance at it. Um, but, like, Kansas is the exact opposite. They're really good from outside. They're really good. You know, in terms of shooting free throws, not getting blocked, like doing all the other things, they're just not very good inside the arc. And I think a lot of that has to do with what McCormick has done so far this year. 
Um, but it's just, it's weird to see these two teams exactly the opposite from each other. And it makes me wonder, like, who is going to end up winning out? Again, like we're seeing in most of the big, in the Big 12, these are two very good defensive teams. Kansas is number eight overall in Ken Palm. Oklahoma State is number 28. Like, everything in this matchup tells me that Kansas should win this game. But, you know, this is, this is one of those where if Kansas, you know, especially having guys that are out, still kind of dealing with, with some injuries, um, you know, if if things get going early for Oklahoma State, by no means is is Kansas that much better that they can't get upset, especially on the road. Um, yeah, I man, if this was a normal season, and I mean that from the fans' perspective, right? There'd be enough fans there. I I, I might pick Oklahoma State here. Um, I, I have been told by a friend that Oklahoma State is catching Kansas at the right time. Now that doesn't mean that he picked Oklahoma State to win, but he. And he is someone I trust, uh, Brian Ralph, has said that you're catching a Kansas at, at an opportune time to catch Kansas. And I thought, okay, that's done. Yes. Um, but my thing to that is, if Oklahoma State loses this game, fans are going to be mad, and probably rightly so. But they've got to start growing up. Like, at some point, they have to close out a game with a lead or a close game. And they did it against Texas Tech again. But this is a good opportunity for Oklahoma State to to get the kind of win on the resume that puts them back in a good position because they have a really tough schedule coming up after kansas you get oklahoma on saturday then you go back to then you go to west virginia then you get baylor like this four game stretch to me for oklahoma state is kind of their season like i get it they could go on a run blah 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 this four game stretch is kind of their season because you're sitting at eight and three two and three in conference play if you get down to three and six I just don't know if that's something they can come back from. Um, so I think this game, I think there's a lot of pressure on Oklahoma State in this game. I think this is a big game. I don't mean this is a knock at Kansas whatsoever. I know they're right number six in the country. I don't think this is a normal number six Kansas. Oh, definitely still, not. It's still a really good Kansas team, but I've never I've never seen a more vulnerable number six Kansas. Now, that means Kansas is going to come out and win by, you know, 18 points, and I'm going to look stupid. But normally you think of Kansas, this feels like a more vulnerable Kansas than we normally see. So well, this it's, it's is weird because this is a normal Kansas team. It's just the rest of the Big 12 Conference is so much better than they normally are at this time of year. And like, like it's like this Kansas team is doing a lot of similar things to what they normally do. You know, they're already a really good team on the road so far. You know, they had a big slip up at home, but they've been able to come back from those, you know, in the past. And, and occasionally you just run into a buzzsaw game where you just get completely trounced. And Kansas is, you know done that especially early in the season but what feels different is that Baylor is a really good team Texas is a really good team you know Texas Tech is going to be feisty and so is West Virginia even though they've lost Oscar Shibwe and you know the rest of the conference like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are both more than capable of jumping up and biting any of those teams but the top of this conference is so strong that it just feels like this is a vulnerable Kansas team although it's not really that much different than they've had the last few years it's just the rest of the conference is so much better this year fair enough I'm pumped for this game because, look, as I always say, I know, can I just say, I know everyone thinks that they're Kansas' rival, and everyone isn't Kansas' rival. That said, and I understand Kansas-Kansas State, that's about as much of a rivalry as Oklahoma-Oklahoma State is in football. It is by dislike for (laughs) each other and being in-state teams. 
It's a I always kind of, of feel like there's a special relationship between Kansas and Oklahoma State. And sometimes I think one of the reasons Oklahoma State's able to beat Kansas as often as it does is Bill Self just feels bad for his alma mater and gifts them one. But <laughs> it does feel like these typically have had some really like Oklahoma State and Kansas is a is kind of a a market like Iowa State fans were like, no, like Iowa State Kansas is a bigger deal. And you're like, yeah, that's a that's a it's a big Sometimes I get it. It's this is the most like stupid argument because everyone thinks they're a rival of Kansas. But I'm like, Texas isn't to, to me. Texas isn't. Oklahoma's not. Like Kansas State is. Yes, Iowa State is. Yeah, but that's more to do with like what happens in in Kansas City all the time. Like to me, like Baylor. Do you guys consider? I don't consider like Texas Tech Baylor. Like I get the teams like each other. No, there's a certain like. I think it's. I think what it is between OSU and Kansas is a mutual respect more than it is like a, a mutual dislike, and it it makes it for a fun rivalry. I think. Yes. So so I think Oklahoma State and Kansas has the aspect of the rivalry that I think is most important. Is that both teams have some success. There is some legitimate entry going into most of the games, and there is a. You know, there is enough of a mutual respect, kind of like what you're talking about, that's not just all-out hatred. Like, there's there's the rivalries that are rivalries built out of just intense dislike or intense hatred for each other, which aren't necessarily the most fun. They're extremely toxic. Kansas seems to have those with both Kansas State and Missouri. Um, and then there's some that are like, you, you know, face them often enough. You've had enough tough games against them that you have that respect for them. You consider them a rival on the court but not like, you know, a hated rival in all aspects of every single, you know, everything having to do with your programs. And that's where Oklahoma State fits in. Like, I think the Oklahoma State is probably the closest to that kind of rivalry that Kansas has in the Big 12, um, which I am I am fully on board with. You know, I do agree that some, that's a lot of times the timing of the matchup going down to Stillwater, um, you know, kind of lends itself to Kansas maybe not necessarily being always 100% fully engaged in trying to, you know, do everything they possibly can to win that game. Um, but it also, like, they never really want to lose that one, so it's not like they're not trying. It's just that, you know, Oklahoma State is good enough and has been good enough to jump up and bite them at inopportune times for the Jayhawks, which has allowed kind of that on-court rivalry to to really kind of grow and that and that mutual respect, I think, between the programs. So, all right. Um, I was going to ask you for a prediction, but honestly, I don't know that I'm necessarily that interested in it. One, because I, you know... This game could go either way. I don't know that anyone can really give a strong prediction one way or another in this particular game. Uh, um, but if you have one, go ahead and throw it out real quick. Well, we don't get the line until tomorrow. So whatever that is, I'll have to pick on. on. Here, we'll use the Ken Palm line, which is uh, Kansas by one. No. Um, I'll take... Seriously. I hate, I hate scores. <laughs> but I'll take Kansas 75, Oklahoma State 70. Yeah, that sounds like it's, you know, completely a, a, a very, very possible score. I do think that Kansas probably has to be favored in this one by, you know, probably three or four points. Um, you know, but just the fact that they've played so up and down keeps me from thinking that they are going to, to really kind of run away with this one. Um, although I will admit I kind of said that about some of their other games um, the, as well, specifically the West Virginia one. So There's... You never want to have to face Kansas off of a loss or like a, a scare, right? Like you want to you want to catch Kansas off of back to back big wins, not not like this. Like you, you and coming off of the closer than it should have been game against Oklahoma, um, yep. 
that I get I get a I get a more focused Kansas. I'll take Kansas seventy five seventy. I kind of wonder if it'll not be that close, but I'm I'm I don't I don't I have to have a little bit of hope, even though hope is right. a dangerous thing. Um, it's it's the hope that kills you, to quote quote <laughs> Ted Lasso. Um, I, I know that really, really well from being a Kansas football fan. So. All right, Philip, that's that's all the time we have for tonight. Where can the people find your work online? Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at OKTXARPoke. Uh, but I would suggest you follow the 1012 podcast if you're not subscribed to it. We cover all things Big 12, all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference to be exact. Uh, we have episodes every Monday and Thursday. Andy, of course, is uh, is a co-host for the Monday episodes with with me and Jamie Steyer, where we're, right now we're doing a lot of basketball. It's very Big 12 basketball heavy right now. Luckily, I have Andy and Jamie to carry the show for me. Um, and then, of course, we do Thursdays, which are going to be kind of all over the place. A lot of interviews, uh, talk football and things there. Follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. On Instagram at 1012pod. And, of course, you can find the show everywhere podcasts are available. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can leave us a rating and a review as well, five stars and nice comments would be absolutely great. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people who want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on twitter at rockchalkpod you can also get your voice on the show do that by going to anchor.fm slash rock chalk podcast slash message leave us a voicemail i promise we'll get it on the show for you but that's gonna do it for us tonight thanks again for listening guys and we will catch you next time on the rock chalk podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.